Welcome to the No Guilt Mom podcast. I'm your host, Joanne Crone, joined here by the lovely Brie Tucker, who's doing a little jig. Hello, buddy. How are you? Yeah, I'm trying to <laughs> imagine my legs going in the little like river dancey type thing. That's what I'm kind of going for. I just think of it like, I'm a tiny little leprechaun. Oh, a leprechaun wouldn't say it that way. I'm a leprechaun. I have no idea. I don't know where that voice came from. Who I've been knows? a leprechaun lately, but I am sure that it's what one would sound like. Don't put a morning to you. There you I, don't go. Know. <laughs> I don't know. This has we, been a morning. It's been a morning. It has been a morning. We are going to talk about the mental load today because this is something that is going all over social media. And if you feel completely burnt out, and like the next thing that's asked of you is going to make you scream. Oh my gosh, we're going to point out today six invisible tasks that you are doing that may be contributing to that mental load and that feeling that you just have had enough. And something that you're going to hear us talk about a lot, first of all, body budget. This is a term taken from Mona Della Hook's book, Brain Body Parenting. It was so, so good, where you basically think of you have a limit each day of all of the sensory input that your body can handle. Like the being touched out, that's a real thing. Yep. The noises, it's a real thing. The asking repetitively to do something yep. that contributes to your body budget and your overload. So when you have all of these invisible tasks we're going to talk about, just think of that tank being filled higher and higher and higher, not in a good way, but in a danger of overflow way. And when we talk about body budget and your body budget being at its max, that's what we're referring to right there and how the mental load contributes to that. In this episode, we're going to talk about, Brie, what the mental load is and why it's so heavy for moms. We're going to talk about the six invisible activities you're doing and not giving yourself credit for and the tasks that you are doing so well, but it's pushing you to the brink of your limits. So let's get on with the show. You want mom life to be easier. That's our goal too. Our mission is to raise more self-sufficient and independent kids, and we're going to have fun doing it. We're going to help you delegate and step back. Each episode, we'll tackle strategies for positive discipline, making our kids more responsible and making our lives better in the process. Welcome to the No Guilt Mom Podcast. Okay. Can we talk about, so this episode got spurred because Christina, one of our team members, sent us an Instagram about a mom explaining why her husband picking up or dropping off the kids at camp wasn't really helping out with her mental load the way that mm -hmm. he felt like it was because there's so much more involved in it. That's like a task that's not anywhere near handling the mental load. And it just got us going, talking about that, about the misunderstanding about mental load, why we have mental load, why it's so hard to get rid of it. And yeah, yeah, it just, it brought on its own little beast. And we're like, this needs to be a podcast episode. Because there's so much that contributes to thinking that we have to take on all these tasks. Yeah. Number one, society tells us it's our job. Yeah, because we're the lady, we're the mom. 
And we see it reinforced in advertisements. We see it reinforced in TV shows and movies. And when you see that message so often, you're like, oh, that's what women do. They take care of these things and they're proficient in these things. Right. And it's this is like our board that tempest this episode because of technical issues. So one of the things you brought up, though, and another one that was one of our ones that isn't airing right now, but the perceived helplessness of the spouses. That's something that I feel like mm-hmm. I see a lot in media. Like in shows mm-hmm. and movies, oh, the bumbling husband, the dad, oh, I don't know any better. And the mom's like, oh, oh yeah, you want to, what, they can handle all this. And it's like, oh, we're perpetuating to these stereotypes that aren't true. That's insult to the male or that or the partner. My husband gets insulted by that all the time. He hates that stereotype. He hates it because it's implying that he's not smart enough to do it all. Yeah. And then he gets mad at all the men who feed into it because then they have this thing where Christina on our team mentioned this. Men will do a task purposely wrong so that they don't have to do it anymore. And we're not saying all men. We're saying some play into it. Also, men are not bumbling idiots when it comes to housework and family and children. They are just as capable as we are, but it hasn't been reinforced to them that it's their job. So they really don't have as much experience in it as we do. Exactly. And it's not just, I mean, we could do a whole new episode about how there are those stereotypical tasks that we do that society reinforces based on our gender, like males do the outside yard work and females do the inside homekeeper work. So we're not even going to get into all that. But to assume that the other partner is not intellectually capable of doing something is really feeding into this. So yes, society tells us it's our job to handle it all. And then, and then the whole be grateful you have to be grateful. That's the other one. Yeah, for what you have, especially with the stay-at-home or work-at-home moms. And if you're unhappy right now, it's because you're not grateful enough for what you have. That is so insidious. Hashtag blessed. Sorry, I hope it's not offending anybody, but I just feel like that is doing nothing more than saying that your feelings are not valid. You mm-hmm. should be happy that somebody is paying for you to stay home. And 90% of the time, that is not how that equation is working. No, it's not. Yeah, it is not like this paid vacation that you get because you're at home. Well, another thing to bring up is where's your worth? Because many stay-at-home moms feel that their worth is in keeping up the house and raising kids. And if they're not doing it, then they're not doing their job. And then why are they even contributing here? Are they really a contributing member of the household if they're not doing all the things? Oh, and we're going to tell you, you're doing all the things. You're doing all the things. And the fallacy there is thinking that you have this 24-7 job that you're responsible for. Well, your partner only has to go to work and then come home and be taken care of. When are you getting taken care of? When are you getting to sit down and enjoy everything that you have worked so damn hard for? It doesn't come unless we really reassess how we're doing these tasks, what we're doing, and having these hard conversations about how to bring more gender equity into the home and off of our plate. And that brings up a really good point, the hard conversations. A lot of times, too, you might realize or you might have that voice in your head that's telling you like, gosh, I'm really doing a lot. I can't go away for that girls weekend I got invited to because There's no way that my partner could take care of everything. And that's not even doing the learned helplessness. You're just like, I do so much. There's no way they could take it on. Then you're afraid to have that conversation because you're afraid of what your spouse 
or your partner is going to say back. And that fear is real. I see that a lot. It's not in my relationship because my husband and I do have these hard conversations a lot. And I have this thing where you can look at my face and you can tell what I'm feeling at any instant, at any time, unless I really try to conceal it. So I can't get away with not showing that I'm you know, unhappy. You can tell right away. But I see other women do this. And we have, you know, Margarita Mondays and I have a neighbor who was going on a cruise and she canceled at the last minute because she had so much to do. And it was only an hour of her time that she could have come. Or I see people I go on work conferences with and they're calling home and being like, oh my gosh, I can't believe my husband did this. I left him this list of all of these things to do and he didn't follow it step by step. And that is not delegating that is still taking complete control over every, every task. And so for this to change, we really need to start having those conversations about what we do, what we're putting other people in control of, and how we're going to react when they inevitably fail. Because guess what? People make mistakes, people fail. But none of us are perfect. All of us will have issues. And there's also that mindset that so many of us have too. Uh, They're just going to screw it up. So I might as well just do it myself. Yes. So let's talk about these tasks that you're doing right now that is probably getting you to the brink of burnout if you're not burnt out already, because these tasks really contribute to the mental load. So the first one is being your kid's counselor on all things relationships. I have this weigh on me a lot. I am the one my kids come to when Ever they have an issue, so much so that I feel like their whole life is issues and relationship drama and stuff that happened at school and things that we talk through. Whether my daughter walks by a group of girls and they start whispering and she becomes self-conscious or like somebody makes fun of my son's jacket and then he doesn't want to wear that jacket to school anymore. It really adds to things, really, really adds to things. I think that that one is one that people don't give themselves credit for. Like you just Mm -hmm. said, because you kind of feel like you're supporting your kids. Not you kind of feel like you do. You feel like, okay, I'm helping guide them in this direction. But like you just said, the important fact there is that it directly impacts you. You feel it. You take it on and your heart breaks along with your child's heartbreaking. And I think that's what makes that one so heavy. And also if you hear your child being the mean kid and you're here counseling them and teaching them what is kind behavior, how they can include everybody. That is hard work as well. Teaching your kids those values to succeed and be a good person. I've been looking for simple ways to form healthy habits and get the nutrients my body needs even on busy mornings. And oh my gosh, has it been busy lately. And that's why I decided to give AG1 a try. Not only does AG1 deliver my daily dose of vitamins, minerals, pre and probiotics, and more, but it's a powerful, healthy habit that's also powerfully simple. It's just one scoop mixed in water once a day every day. And it makes me feel energized. Even like I still add the coffee on there because I like it a lot. AG1 
tastes really good too. And I enjoy my glass every single morning. AG1 is a supplement I trust to provide the support my body needs daily. And that's why I'm excited to welcome them as a new partner. If you want to take ownership of your health, it starts with AG1. Try AG1 and get a free one-year supply of vitamin D3K2 and five free AG1 travel packs with your first purchase exclusively at drinkag1.com forward slash NGM. That's drinkag1.com forward slash NGM. Check it out. Hey there, I'm Debbie Reber, the founder of Tilt Parenting and the author of the book, Differently Wired. The mission of Tilt is to change the way neurodivergence, whether that's having a learning disability, having ADHD, being gifted, autistic, or some combination of all of the above, is perceived and experienced so differently wired kids and the parents like us raising them can truly thrive. On the Tilt Parenting Podcast, I get to talk with authors, therapists, educators, and parenting experts who are committed to this mission. I ask the questions my listeners are most curious about when it comes to supporting our kids. And in turn, my guests share strategies for challenges, out-of-the-box ideas for navigating school, best practices for therapies, tips for advocating, and so many thoughtful insights on what it really takes to help our kids grow up feeling seen and respected so they can create awesome lives for themselves. I know that raising a differently wired kid can feel overwhelming and isolating, but I promise you, you are not alone, and it can feel so much better. If you're on this parenting journey, come listen to Tilt Parenting. Together, we can shift this paradigm and show up for our exceptional kids with hope, possibility, and joy. And it's also a tricky line, too, for that one, because sometimes they really want your input, and sometimes they don't. There's nothing worse than when, and I feel like I get this so much with teens, they'll start telling you about something. And they'll be like, well, what do you think? And then you give them your input. And they're well, you don't understand, mom. You don't know what it's like. Never mind. Just forget I said anything. My favorite line. You don't know what it's like to be a teenager in 2023 being that specific. Yes. Yes. You got me there. I do not have the teenage status right now. But the things I don't admit to you that I did when I was your age. Ah. <laughs> but it takes its toll. It takes a mental toll when they push against you against that advice as well. So that's the first invisible thing you're doing. Check yourself on that. And the second invisible task is actually really closely related to that. And it's managing your family's mood. I mean, do you do this? Yeah. Oh, I think, yeah, I think a lot of us do. I will tell you that I feel like my role in my family, and this is my parents and my sisters, my role had always been to make sure everybody was okay. Everybody got along because there was some oil and vinegar type relationships in my family growing up. And I always felt like it was my job to make sure everybody was happy. So I have carried that into my relationships as I get older. And my now husband, Miguel, he'll point that out all the time. He'll be like, I love you. I'll say something to him like, are you okay? You seem like you're upset today. And he'll be like, "Ah, baby. And then he'll look at me and he'll hug me and he'll be like, it's not your job to make sure I'm okay, though. That's sweet of him that he like lets you go on that one. Right. But then uh, then in my head, my head's immediately like, ah, you're failing on your job, Brie. You're not taking care of everybody's like well-being at this moment. Your Bob is coming in. That stupid Bob. That stupid Bob telling us what we need to do. And that hyper-awareness of our family's emotions really adds to the mental load because there are things that you do to prepare so that the family's emotions don't get bad. 
Like you're the one who's thinking, oh my gosh, my kids need to eat as soon as they get home, else they'll be completely grumpy. That forethought is going in there as well before the situation even happens. Or the reason that moms always have snacks in their bags when their kids are younger, because they know a temper tantrum in the middle of the zoo parking lot is not fun. Exactly. Or like, let's even take like when you go on vacations, right? Or a trip. Who most of the time has the agenda figured out? It's mom. A lot of times we're the one that works on the agenda of like where we're going to be, what we're going to do. Or do we, and like you just said, did we make enough stops to go to the bathroom? Oh, we're going to need to do this after this time. And then we're going to need to go do this. Oh, and if you're doing something like even visiting family. Oh, and you know, your mom's going to want to do this. So then I'm going to have to plan this. It's exhausting. It is. It's exhausting. It's funny because when I go on vacation, like we just went on vacation in June and I really tried to stay out of planning. We really tried to keep it loose during the day. We do like one plan thing a day and then kind of let the rest fall into place where it landed. And that worked for us. But I think it only worked for us because our kids are older, where if they were younger, I would have had to plan rest breaks. We would have definitely need to have snacks. And now we're at the point with them being 10 and 14. That if they're hungry, we're like, well, we're in the middle of nowhere. I don't know what you're going to do. Yeah. And I'd also be like, and you have a mouth. You can tell me when you're hungry. You can be thoughtful of that. Exactly. Exactly. But I think some of this also goes into the invisible task number three that you're probably doing as well. And that's when you have these family trips and when you do these big purchases, they don't happen just on a whim. There's all this research that you're doing beforehand. And you're juggling that with all your other tasks on your plate. Your brain is always on. Researching all kinds of stuff. Like I remember when my kids started elementary school, I was the one who was, again, so it's a little different. When I grew up in the Midwest, you go to the school that you're in, that area, that's it. There's no whatever. But where we live in Phoenix, open enrollment is a huge thing. And like you throw a rock, you hit four charter schools. So anyway, when my kids were going into school, I took on the whole mental load of where they were going to go. Do you, I'm kind of a binder, Joanne, of all the different schools. What were the pros? What were the cons? Whether or not they had all day kindergarten, whether or not they had after school care, how much that would cost, how long did the school go to? What were the hours? What was their school schedule? So much stuff. And that was just researching for them to go to kindergarten, for God's sake. It was exhausting. I was a mess. I was a mess. I would be a mess too. That does sound like a lot of work. But that's just like one example, right? Like you said, family trips and making big purchases, all that kind of stuff. Trying to figure out the budget and the schedules and when people can go and what's going to make everybody happy. That's the other one. That's the hard one. What's going to make everybody happy? I've learned nothing. Nothing makes everybody happy ever. Just from, you know, past experience, especially your kids. You'll go somewhere and they'll be like, but my brother, he wanted to go here and we're going there. So that's not fair that he gets to go where he wants to go and I don't get to go where I want to go. And then it's vice versa. Oh, God. Fine. We're going to only go where I want to go. Nobody else gets to be happy. We are going to a place that serves wine. We're going to the spa. You will enjoy your robe and your pool. (laughs) No, I will enjoy my robe and my pool. You will sit in the lobby and that's it. (laughs) Wouldn't that be grand? That'd be great. Can you imagine how much complaining you would hear about spa water, too? Like, oh, that's water has cucumbers. It tastes weird. What is it? Probably every little thing is a complaint. It's so hard. Which brings us to our next one with menu planning. 
and kids and food preferences and the things like I think I'm just giving you a bigger headache, Brie, by even mentioning that. My head hurts just thinking it. Yes, because menu planning is like in our household. It is even I sometimes I get out of some of these points that you bring up because I have teenagers and I feel like teenagers, while they are toddlers with better vocabularies, they do understand some things. Right. And you have a little bit less conflict. But the menu planning in our house is a real freaking headache. And I'm the only one that takes it on. And my husband keeps pointing out that I don't need to. And I keep ignoring him. I'm not sure why. I'm like, I can't think of a good reason why. Because my only answer back would be like, well, if I would do it, nobody else will. And he would just stare at me and be like, and the bad side is what? People will learn. I am the one doing the menu planning in my house. But I also like to be in control of what I eat. And we have it split up so that my husband goes grocery shopping and I menu plan. But it's not a hard thing. The way my husband goes grocery shopping, I don't know how the man does it, but you can tell him ingredients that you need. And he remembers it. He doesn't need a list usually. He'll remember, like you tell him five things, he'll remember those five things, he'll bring you those five things back. As long as he's in the frame of mind to do that, which typically he is. Oh, can you teach Miguel that? I'm talking to him and texting at the same time. Because he'll walk away and be like, what did you just say? I'm like, don't worry, I texted it to you. Well, I mean, right now, though, he started a a new position recently and his brain is not where it usually typically is. And so this past week, I was like, hey, did you get this at the store? And he'll reply, I'm a dummy. I'm like, you're not a dummy. I was just asking. But menu planning is something that I I look at my board and I'm like, what are we going to have? Well, we're going to have this meal I know how to cook, which is easy. This meal. And then I look at my family and I'm like, "Mm, I'm at a loss. What do you guys want to eat? And Eric will be like, hamburgers. I'm like, done. Hamburgers. What else? Pizza. No. And I say no because I'm lactose intolerant. And it's horrible for me. It's just horrible for me. It makes me feel so gross. You're like, I suffer. I I suffer so bad with that meal. And everyone else has to suffer as well. Because with lactose (laughs) intolerance, we'll know what I'm talking about. But menu planning is this constant thing because everybody needs to eat all the time. And so you're monitoring, okay, do they like this meal? Do they not like this meal? Should I put this on the list to make my life easier because I already know how to make this so I can make it again? It's so time consuming and brain consuming that oh yeah, you may not realize right now. And I hope this brings to light how much it consumes your brain. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I'm not even going to get into this stuff in our house. It's ridiculous things I take on. I should not. So what is what is so menu planning is number four. What is number five? Emotional labor. And this is a little different than the mental load. The mental load is keeping track of all those things you have to do in your head. And the mental load also, when we talked about our family's emotions before, it was like pre-planning to make sure that kids don't get cranky when they're hungry. But The other emotional labor is managing your own damn emotions when everyone else is freaking out around you. Yes. And again, I think it's a very good example, actually, of a mental load. Because when you're talking about mental load, it's like the things that you're doing, the things that somebody is doing that is invisible. And that is a huge one because I can guarantee you in most cases, one parent, like you just said earlier, is the default parent, right? The one who takes on so much. And the other parent, doesn't have to take that on so they don't have to worry about everybody else's emotions. No. And and they're the one that if there is a temper tantrum, they actually could extract themselves from the situation and leave the room and the kid wouldn't even notice. Wait, but they would notice the default parent left. Oh my gosh, the kid hunts the default parent down. So much so. 
When it comes to raising kids, there's so much to consider. Things like, what do we feed them? When do we feed them? How do they sleep? What does it look like to raise kind kids? How does their nervous system work? How do I keep myself calm? What are my triggers? There's so much that comes into play, and we are distilling all of that information for you at Voices of Your Village podcast, where we bring experts in the field of early childhood and education and psychology and across the board so that you don't have to comb the internet for information. You get to show up and hang out and have shame-free, judgment-free conversations and insights into what it looks like to raise kind, empathetic, emotionally intelligent humans. I'm Alyssa Blask Campbell. I have a master's degree in early childhood education. I'm a mom of two, and I am walking this journey right alongside you doing this work. Come hang out with me at Voices of Your Village, and we can dive into real conversations with actionable tips. Are you overwhelmed by the things that get in the way of you doing what you want to do? Are you looking for ways to simplify life to better align with your values? Do you want to create space in your schedule so you have room for more of the good stuff? Play, joy, relationships, gratitude, and more? If you answered yes to any of these questions, I invite you to check out Edit Your Life, a podcast to help you edit the unnecessary from your life so you have more room to enjoy the awesome. Through episodes with me, Christine Co., and a range of super smart, compassionate, and thoughtful guests, you'll come away with big picture insights and practical ways to declutter your home, schedule, and mental space without getting bogged down by perfection. I have always believed that small moments and actions matter tremendously. My goal is to help you find agency and space in your life through doable baby steps that will leave you feeling accomplished instead of overwhelmed. Check out Edit Your Life wherever you enjoy your podcasts. Oh my gosh. My favorite question, yes, recently, my favorite question recently is, actually, it's not a question, it's a command. It's like, go ask dad, go ask dad. I'm here working on the computer and my son comes up and he's like, what's for dinner tonight? And I know my husband is just relaxing in the house. And I'm like, oh, go ask dad. And I just keep working. I'm going to make you a little sign, a little Looney Tunes sign that you can hold up like the coyote and just be like, go ask dad. Yeah. Because I know I've been the problem solver. I've been the problem solver all their lives. And he needs some practice in that. And the kids need to see him as the problem solver as well. So I'm just redirecting their attention with that. So if anyone needs that, go ask dad. Just say that. The go ask dad. It works really, really well. Yeah. Because you deserve to also have that break once in a while. You do not need to be doing it 24-7. You did not become mom because your partner was like, oh, this person will take care of all the needs of our family at all times. Yeah. No, no. I could guarantee you that was not a wedding vow, nor was that a thought in their head. Another phrase I keep in my head is, what would my husband do? And so I'm reading on the couch, completely relaxed, when my kids come up and ask me for something. And my mom response is to, oh, I'm just relaxing. I'm not doing anything right now. Let me like put away my book. Let me go help them. Right. What would my husband do? My husband would be like, yeah, I'm resting for a bit. I'll help you in a moment or help you in 20 minutes. And so that's what I do. I'm like, no, I'm I'm resting right now. You can go handle that. And let me let me fight those yeah buts because I can guarantee you there's a few of you listening going, yeah, but I want to teach my kids to be kind to others and to do nice things for other people. Okay, there is a difference between doing kind things for others and having healthy emotional boundaries. And that is something that society has lied to us about as women. 
They have taught us that we are supposed to be quiet and nice and be accommodating for everybody. And that's showing that you're being kind and and caring for others, but to the detriment of your own, you know, well-being. And that's not okay. Yeah. I could give a a good example of that. So my daughter was a little overwhelmed on Saturday because she just had a lot of work to do and uh, she was behind and it was schoolwork. So she asked me if I could help her put her sheets in the laundry. And I'm like, yeah, okay, sure. Because we were just leaving the house to go to get our nails done, which was very fun. So I took her sheets. I put it in the laundry for her. I started the washing machine. And I'm like, oh, yep, it's all done for you. And she says, thank you. And we go to the car. Well, fast forward to 1030 that night where I'm laying face down in bed, completely asleep in a dark room. My daughter comes in. Mom, I forgot about my sheets. They're still in the washer. And I'm like, I'm not getting up. And she's like, well, what do I do? I'm like, you have two choices. You could sleep in the guest room or you could sleep on a bed without sheets. And she's like, well, I can't do that. I can't do that. And I'm like, well, I'm, I'm asleep. And that was the boundary that I'm like, you know what? If I got up right now, I would be stomping yeah. through the house and slamming doors because I would be so pissed off that I had to get up out of my bed and help with this situation. So instead of being pissed off, I'm just going to lay here instead because that's going to be a better situation overall. Well, and you know what else as the I always like to point out the joys of what my college roommates had to deal with. Shout out to Glinda. Thank you so much, <laughs> Glinda Waymeyer, for taking care of me. You just gave her life skills because yeah. when she goes away and she's not living with you and she's living with other roommates and people, she's going to have to figure that out because I can guarantee you. She's going to forget to do her laundry or move the laundry over at some point in time. Mm-hmm. And she's her roommate is not going to appreciate her waking her up and going through this problem solving. She's going to have to do the problem solving on her own. Yep, exactly. So. And what she ended up doing, she stayed up later. She put her sheets in the dryer and she made the bed herself. I was just thinking to myself, honestly, out of those choices, that's what I would have done too. Really? Like, I would have been like, I can handle this a little bit longer. If it was me, if I had forgotten to put my sheets over. Yeah. But you know me, I'm Brie, don't move my sheets, Brie. I don't like sleeping in other beds. Mm-hmm. And I would be like, it's weird to sleep on a bed with no sheets, so I got to stay up. Our last invisible task is about coordinating all of those school activities and emails and due dates and crazy days because that's what's happening. Yep. If you're listening to this as a drop span, school is beginning and all of a sudden somehow you have become the school coordinator. How did that happen? I don't take that on. I don't do that at all. I make my kids responsible for it and they've been responsible for it for a long time. So like if there's crazy days, like if they don't have a crazy day outfit, that's on them. It doesn't affect me. But I think that's from being a teacher and seeing how it just doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. I think that's fantastic. And I think more of us need to be told that our kids can do it. Now, listen, we're not saying your kindergartner is going to be able to write on the calendar crazy day clothing. But you can have these conversations with your kids so that they are more able to take them on. And here's the other thing. It's also a privilege thing because I was Mm -hmm. a teacher in a Title I school where we had 97% of the kids on free and reduced lunch. And we didn't have this craziness. We didn't have all these crazy days because our families, they had so much on them already. We couldn't put that on them. And we helped the families. And we didn't put the pressure on the parents to come in. We found a way to do it ourselves as a school staff. So 
when I am in these school districts that my kids go to and I see all of this craziness and see these PTO parents walking around looking like, oh, like, why don't you help more? Why don't you do this? I'm like, this is stupid. Why are we, why are we in this right now? And so that is my own mental process that goes through it just from working in a different environment than where I live. But it truly doesn't matter because the biggest thing that matters is your kids' happiness in school and that they're learning. And when you talk about crazy days and due dates that you have to keep track of and not your kids, they're not learning. They're not learning right. anything. No, not only are they not learning, but one thing that we see a lot in our balanced coaching program, too, are moms that are like, OK, I want my kids to become more self-sufficient. I want them to be able to take on more. OK, guess what? They got to start somewhere. And the more that they practice it, the more that they do it, the more they're going to have evidence in their own memory of, oh, I was able to handle scheduling this before. So maybe having your second grader take on scheduling the entire science project, you're not ready for that yet because normally you've been the one that's been scheduling everything. But doing something as simple as making sure that they're in charge of like you just said, coordinating the school activities, being responsible for what they have going on. Then when something bigger comes up, you can point out to them, yeah, but look how good of a job you did remembering when you needed to do this X, Y, and Z. And there are so many tools available. And also, can I say, coordinating the school science project, that should not be on parents. Parents, please push back against the school and the classroom for that, because that should be handled by the teacher in terms of huge projects for the correct developmental level of the child. It was something that I taught my students how to do. We worked through due dates in class to make sure they were on top of things themselves. That should not be put on you at all. Just as an aside, in my opinion of it. Yeah. So giving your kids the opportunity to do these things, to be responsible for, they are going to feel pride and they're going to succeed. They will succeed. Are there going to be fumbles? Yes, because nobody is perfect. We all have mishaps that happen. But the more they take on these things, the better they're going to be able to do, the stronger they're going to build these life skills. And then again, I'm going to roll back to like when they leave your home, they fly away from your nest. They're going to be able to do these things. And guess what? You also won't be from pulling your hair out from stress because of the mental load you were carrying all the time. Yeah, think of what a happier person you can be. Like reframe it because a lot of things that I am setting boundaries for now is I am able to step back and take myself through two scenarios. And this comes, this is something that we work on in balance, by the way, where it doesn't come right away. You can't take this in the moment unless you first practice looking back to see what caused your reaction. But now I'm at the point where I can stop myself in the moment. And like I said, with the sheets, if I had helped with the sheets, I would have been yelling. I would have been stomping. I would have been slamming doors. And I prevented that by just saying no to it and laying down in bed. So and she figured it out and she figured it out. So please give yourself a lot of compassion. If you're not realizing these boundaries that you could be setting yet with your time that comes in time that is not on you. And we have something to help you out with that, too. We have a free stop doing checklist for you that talks about a lot of the things in this episode. And you can have it in a handy dandy checklist that you just not doing that anymore. So that's a fun thing. And you can get that in our show notes. So I really hope that you are giving yourself some compassion after this episode. That mental load, it is there. It is real. We see you. You're doing it. But there are ways to cut it and to trim it down and make it a lot less and share that load with your parenting partner and with others in your household. Yes. So remember, the best mom's a happy mom. Take care of you. We'll talk to you later. Thanks for stopping by.
I'm Margaret. And I'm Amy. And together we host the podcast, What Fresh Hell? Laughing in the Face of Motherhood. Margaret, I would say you're sort of a where are my keys kind of mom. Correct. Sometimes a where are my kids kind of mom. (laughs) Well, you're Amy more of a we were supposed to leave 35 seconds ago, mom. I mean, touche. In each episode of What Fresh Hell, we come at a topic from our usually completely opposite perspectives. I bring the research. And I bring kind of the gimlet eye. Like, is that research really going to work, people? And almost 10 million downloads later, we're still laughing. We also talk to experts in the parenting field, plus parents with stories we can all learn from. We make each other laugh, we challenge each other's assumptions, and we have what we think is the best parenting community on the internet. Check out What Fresh Hell? Laughing in the Face of Motherhood wherever you listen to podcasts.